Good to see those of you who are with us in person. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us uh, there online on Facebook or Twitter at HBC Tullahoma or YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, just put those in and you'll find us there. Uh, you can be sure to share, to like, to heart, to uh, subscribe there on the post. Give us thumbs ups uh, and just get that word out to other people so they can also uh, join us on those different platforms. We also have our phone live streaming and we want to welcome those who are listening uh, through that platform also. If if you need that number, uh, just call the church office at 931-455-0645, or you can ask me after the service, and I'll be glad to give that uh, to you. If you're there at home, I want to encourage you to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab where you can download today's worship bulletin. If you need one of these in person, our ushers will be glad to come around and to give you one. Uh, otherwise, you can find them on the table back there and out in this hall, as well as in the the window sills to my right and to my left. Uh, you'll also find there uh, under the info tab the children's worship bulletins. Those are in the windowsill over here. So if you need some of those for your kids, uh, be sure to pick those up. You can share the links that you see there online. You can print those off, whatever you need to do uh, with those. And while you're there under the info tab, be sure to download uh, this week's prayer list. I want to encourage you to be praying for these individuals. Uh, we see God's hand at work all the time uh, in answering prayers, and we're so excited for that. But we just want to encourage you uh, not to neglect our prayer time uh, with the Lord and be sure to spend that time with him. But we're glad to have everybody here this morning. Hopefully you'll enjoy the worship service this morning. Brother Mike, come and lead us if you will. Good morning. I was told to make a plea. Need some men in this choir. And you don't have to know what you're doing to be up here because if you had to do that, I wouldn't be standing here. If you had to know what you're doing, I wouldn't be standing here. Let's sing. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and he will be called Wonderful. So let's sing, His Name is Wonderful. 203. Why don't you stand and join the choir? Jesus, my 
almost came up too quick there on you, Mike. <laughs> well, we do want to turn our attention to our missionaries uh, of the week. You'll find them in your bulletin. Uh, this is Penny Sargent. Uh, she is serving in East Asia. Uh, that is not her real name because of security concerns uh, there, but she was working in East Asia there uh, and had a, a mountain uh, retreat that had been planned. Uh, and that kind of got canceled. Uh, and so she was grasping and trying to understand, Lord, what are you wanting to do? Uh, how are you wanting me to be used to reach uh, these people uh, in this East Asia city? Uh, and God began to open up the doors of opportunity for her to share uh, with three unbelieving women. They had regular Bible studies. She shared, their, shared her faith with them. All three of these women experienced Christ personally, and then all of a sudden COVID happened, and they weren't able to meet anymore, and they've not been able to meet since then. And so she does not know and has not had contact with them uh, since then, but she knows that God knows exactly where they are and the lives that they are impacting. So we want to uplift Penny Sargent uh, in our prayers, and we also want to continue to uplift our golden offering for Tennessee missions uh, in your prayers too, and we'll share more about that in just a moment. But pray for all of our missionaries uh, this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the blessed day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for these missionaries who have answered the call and that even though this may not be Penny's real name, you know exactly who Penny is. You know who those women are that she shared the gospel with and that they trusted by faith in Christ. And you know where they are and exactly what they're doing right now. Lord, I pray that you would bring them back across her path, uh, that she would be able to continue to disciple them and help them to grow in their walk with you. Uh, but Father, I pray that wherever they may be, may they just share the things that they already know uh, of their faith in Christ with others around them. And Father, I pray that you would use them to make a great uh, difference in this world for the kingdom of Christ. Lord, bless uh, Penny and continue to give her wisdom and discernment and guidance uh, in the work that you have for her. Be with our missionaries across Tennessee and the different mission works that we've been emphasizing uh, over this past month. And we just pray, God, that you will continue to lay upon our hearts about what you would have us to give towards that offering uh, for Tennessee missions uh, and helping us to reach that goal. So we just give you the glory and the honor for all that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege every Sunday uh, through our tithes and our offerings uh, that a percentage of our offerings goes to support uh, those missionaries, keeping them on the field, uh, faithfully serving in our place. And so may we continue to remember them in prayer. May we continue to support them financially. And I just pray, God, that you will uh, have your hand a blessing upon them and upon us. Lead us as we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do want to just remind you that if you have not given to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions, there are some pink envelopes if you want to give it in that special envelope. If you put it in your regular envelope, uh, just be sure to mark on there how much of that is to the Golden Offering or if the whole thing is uh, how much that is. If you're doing this online, uh, you can designate your giving there uh, to the Budget Offering and or to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. So I encourage you to take the time uh, to do that uh, as we seek to reach our goal of 5,000. I think we're about 2,000 some odd uh, away from that, yeah, we're two two thousand three hundred and seventy-two, uh, so about a little more than twenty-five hundred away from our goal. So, just want to encourage you to continue giving uh, even throughout this month. And if you're one of our guests this morning, uh, we just want to say welcome to you. Uh, one of the special ways we like to welcome people who are our guests. So, if you brought a guest with you this morning, be sure that they pick up one of the bags on the side of the stage or at the door uh, as they leave. It's just got some gifts in it that we want to give to you uh, that just says we appreciate you coming this morning. Has some information about our church. Uh, that we want to share with you, but just wanted to remind you to make sure uh, you pick that up as a guest or the person who brought you, if they'll pick that up for you. But welcome this morning, and Brother Mike, you'll come again. 
Well, let's continue praising the Lord this morning by singing just that. Praise Him, praise Him. 227, if you're looking at the hymnal. Praise Him, praise Him. 227. Ladies. Preparations for Children's Church will be gathering over here on the piano side during this song for our next hymn. Stand with this choir and let's sing Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. And it is hymn 61. Ladies. Jesus, bless Jesus. 
an old Bill and Gloria Gaither song from way back. Take your Bibles, if you will, this morning and turn to John chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 21 is what we're going to be looking at. I've entitled this message, The Good Shepherd, uh, as on Sunday morning and Sunday night, we're walking through the life of Jesus. Uh, we're here trying to walk through as best we can uh, in a chronological order. And so this is where we're at this morning is in John chapter 10. Uh, things are beginning to turn in Jesus's ministry with a with a mindset and a focus towards Jerusalem uh, where he's going to go die on the cross and so he's sharing with uh, those followers and with his disciples uh, these last things that he wants to make sure that they understand so I've entitled this the good shepherd and you'll understand why uh, as we get into this verse but John chapter 10 verse 1 through verse 6 let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne of grace once again in prayer, we Humbly come, Lord, asking you to take the word of God and break it for us, explain it to us, impress it into our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see the application for all of our lives of all those who may be here this morning. Lord, if there are those who are here or who are watching online who don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, Father, I pray through this message they would hear the gospel message and they would come to trust in the good shepherd, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior to become a faithful follower of him. But Father, I pray for many others who are here this morning who are already followers of Christ. Lord, that we would learn some things to apply to our lives to hear the voice of our good shepherd. And Father, I pray that no matter what worries or cares or anxieties or struggles we may have brought with us here this morning, help us to bring those things, to lay them at the foot of the cross, and to leave them there with you to take them up and to fix those things in the way you would do it in your time, in your will, in your way. So we give this message to you, and we ask, Lord, for you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, as I was thinking about this message this morning and thinking about how this applies to us, and I began to think about worry. You know, all of us worry. Even preachers worry. <laughs> and uh, you, you may think, preacher, what do you got to worry about? All you got to do is preach on Sunday morning. That's it. That's all you do. You don't do anything during the week. That's what preachers do. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> that a pastor has to do all throughout the week. It takes me eight to ten hours just for one message, and I have three of those uh, a week, <laughs> two on Sundays and one on Wednesday. Uh, and, and Wednesday's even uh, probably a little bit more than that because it's in the book of Revelation. Uh, but, you know, we all worry about things. You know, you think about, you know, when you have kids and, and they're at home, you worry about your kids, don't you? You worry about a mom and dad, don't you? Well, let me tell you something. When they're out of the nest, 
You still worry about them. <laughs> I worry about our kids all the time. Uh, we've got one in St. Louis, one in New York City, one in Louisville. They're spread all over. I know my mom probably worries about us. We're spread out uh, too as far as me and my brothers. Uh, you know, we worry. Why do we worry? What is it, let me ask you this morning, what is it that is in your life that maybe this morning has your stomach all tied up in knots and, and maybe your, your life is full of worry. What is it that you're worried about right now? Think about that thing because this leads to a bigger question for us. Have you ever had a trouble or a problem that was either solved by or helped by worrying? None. None. Someone once said this, don't tell me that worry doesn't do any good. I know better. The things I worry about don't happen. <laughs> you know, so often that's the thing, case. We worry about things so often that don't even happen. Well, uh, Dr. A.J. Cron Cronin uh, did an extensive study on worry, and here's what he found out. He found out that about 40% of the things we worry about never happen. He discovered that 30% of the things that we worry about in the past can't be changed. You know, some people worry about things they did in the past or, or events that happened uh, in their past. And there's nothing you can do to go back and, and undo those things to, to change those things. Uh, he found out also in his study that we worry 12% of the time about needless health worries. Now, we worry about health things like cancer. We worry about uh, COVID. We worry about those kinds of things. But sometimes we get a sniffle, we get a little cough, and, or the kids do, and we worry about that little cough. It's just a normal cold maybe uh, that's going around. And so sometimes we worry 12% uh, about needless health worries. 10% of our worries, he said, uh, are about petty miscellaneous things. And then through his study that he did, he found that only about 8% of the things we worry about are legitimate worries. So think about this. If half of the things you worry about never happen and the other half are going to happen anyway, no matter what you do or don't do, why worry? You know, too many of us are living lives that are frustrated for nothing. Worry at best, he said, is a waste of time. Well, in this passage in John chapter 10, we're going to find and see here God's solution to our unnecessary worries that sometimes begin to choke and to strangle our hopes and our dreams. Paul told the believers at, in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 32, he said, I want you to be free from anxieties or to be free from worries. Now, Paul says that to the church at Corinth, and if you study anything about the church at Corinth, you'll find they had all kinds uh, of problems. And so this passage uh, that Paul shares with them, it ought to be an encouragement to us. He wants us to be free of worries. He wants us to be free of those anxieties. Well, as we come back to John's gospel, and you study John's gospel, you'll find that seven times in John's gospel, Jesus uses the I am name that God described himself to Moses back in the book of Exodus in chapter 3. Uh, every time Jesus used that name, he was declaring uh, his deity. Uh, for instance, he says in John chapter 6, verse 48, I am the bread of life. 
And so he's using that name from the Old Testament, the name of God, because he's wanting them to see, I am God in the flesh, but I'm the, I'm the one who sustains you, who provides for you, who gives you bread, not only physically, but, but spiritually also. So he says, I'm the bread of life, which speaks to his provision. Then in John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, which speaks to his, his pathway, that he lights the path uh, before us. John chapter 10, verse 9, we're reading this, in, this part today uh, in these verses where Jesus says, I am the door, which speaks of his passage. And then John 10, verse 11, where we see him say, as what we're mainly going to focus on this morning in this passage, he says, I am the great shepherd, which speaks of his protection. And so when you read all of those great I am statements, which those are just a few, you find that Jesus is our provision. He's the bread of life. He's our pathway. He's the light of the world. He's our passage. He is the door. He is our protector. He is the good shepherd. And we're going to discover that when Jesus becomes our good shepherd, when we trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, then, then all of those worries begin to flee. All of those worries begin to fade away. When we're focused on the good shepherd. The problem is, is when we lose our focus off of the good shepherd. Uh, now continue with me in John chapter 10, and let's read a few more verses here in verse 7 down through verse 14, because I want you to get the whole picture of what he's talking about here as a good shepherd. So in those first verses, the people didn't understand what he was talking about. So we find in verse 7, it says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who has a hired hand uh, and, not, and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Now, when you read those verses, I want you to notice something that ought to stand out to you, that Jesus uses this illustration to talk about a hired hand. He says there, are the, there is the good shepherd, and then there is the hired hand. Now, a hired hand is one who uh, would assist the shepherd. Uh, so if the shepherd couldn't be there, uh, you hired somebody else to stand in for the shepherd to watch over the sheep. Well, the problem was, is when danger came, where did the, where did the hired hand go? It's not my sheep. I'm out of here. I don't have to worry about them. Let, let the shepherd, let the good shepherd uh, take care of that. Let the one who owns them uh, take care of that. And the reason that he would leave the sheep uh, to defend for themselves is because he's only helping the shepherd for one reason, because he's hired. He's helping him for the money. On the other hand, the good shepherd tends to the sheep for one reason, not because of money, but because he loves the sheep. 
And so no wonder he's a good shepherd. He never leaves the flock. He will lay down his life to protect them. And so picture this in your mind. As our good shepherd, Jesus stands between us and whatever causes us worry, whatever causes us fear. And that's what good shepherds do. So let me ask you something about whatever it is that you might be worrying about today. Is it too much for the good shepherd to handle? There is nothing in our lives, nothing that could happen, nothing that has happened in the past, nothing that is going on right now that is too big for the shepherd to handle. Because when Jesus is your good shepherd, you can say, along with the psalmist in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, my strong, is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You can say with the psalmist as Psalm 118 and verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So you could think about what's the worst thing that could happen to you, the worst thing you could possibly worry about. And the psalmist says, What do I have to fear what man could do to me? Throughout the Bible, the Lord is pictured as a shepherd. You can go back to the Old Testament and you can see in the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 15 and verse 16, he says about himself, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy, I will feed them in justice. So there in Ezekiel, he talks about himself being the shepherd, much like what we see here in John's gospel. In, in, Father, back in the Old Testament, when you listen to Jacob and Jacob's prophetic blessing to his own son, Joseph, in Genesis 49, at verse 24, here's what it says there. It says, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So all of those verses remind us that God is our shepherd. In fact, that's what the great psalm that most everybody knows, whether you're saved or whether you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so all of those verses ought to be a comfort to us in the midst of our worries. Why? Well, what is it that calms our fears when we're caught up in worry? One of the things that calms our fears is the voice of God. And so we're going to look just a little bit here at the first about uh, what God's voice sounds like, the characteristics of God's voice, because the first thing you need to, to start getting accustomed to is what is God's voice like and how does the good shepherd help resolve our worries. And so that's what you see first, the shepherd's peace, the shepherd's voice, because through his voice comes peace. And that's what we read in verse 1 through verse 6. Look back at verse 1 uh, again, if you will. 
Verse 1 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So uh, we read there, as we read also in the remaining verses there, verse 1 through verse 6, God has the voice of a good shepherd, the Bible tells us. And when you become a Christian, you come into his family, you become a part of his kingdom, you become a part of his fold, if you will. You become one of his sheep. And, And the more you spend in his word, the more time you spend in prayer, the more you get accustomed to to hearing what God is saying to you through his word. And so the longer that you're a follower of Christ and the more you tune into him and you tune out the things of this world, the more you begin to learn to recognize the characteristics of God's voice. And so this passage tells us the characteristics of God's voice. Notice he's persistent. Notice verse 2 again. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So notice where the good shepherd comes. The good shepherd comes through the gate. He comes through the door, but he doesn't knock that door down. Uh, His voice is persistent, but not coercive. Uh, he, He doesn't coerce, he doesn't force. And so if you don't take the time to listen to him, eventually you won't hear him speaking and eventually he will stop speaking. And so if we don't take the time to really listen to God, we're not going to hear what God has to say. If you look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, uh, there's a passage there familiar to many of us as believers that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now what you don't see there is Jesus saying, I knocked at the door, you didn't knock, so we're busting in, we're coming in, it's a raid, no. Uh, He was saying, I persistently knock at the door of your heart. And he says, and I want you to hear my voice, but I'm not going to knock the door down. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to scream at you. I'm not going to get all up in your face. I'm just going to persistently and lovingly knock. And I'm going to speak to you. But you have to stop and to listen. You have to hear. And you have to be the one to open the door. The Bible calls it a still, small voice. And there are a lot of voices that are out there uh, that, that are brash in this world, that are loud and coercive. But the voice of God is persistent. I want you to look at the next verse because his voice uh, leads also. It doesn't force. Uh, notice verse 3. It says, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So notice he doesn't force them to follow. He's not behind them shoving them. Verse 4 says, when he's brought them all out, out all, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, if you've ever seen westerns or you've been out west and you've seen uh, ranchers who are, who are herding cattle, uh, maybe you have some cattle even here and you're herding your cattle, most of the time you're behind them. You're over to the sides of them to kind of guide them from where you want them to go one way or the other. You don't get out in front of them because if you get out in front of them, they're going to stop. They're not going to go where you are in front of them. But with sheep, it's totally different. With sheep, you don't herd them from behind, you you lead them from in front. 
And so that's what Jesus is saying here. You know, we tend to think of that uh, being behind, but shepherding goes before, and the sheep learn to listen to the voice of their shepherd. They learn that their shepherd cares. Uh, their shepherd uh, is, is persistent and calls out to them. And what the Lord is doing to us is he's saying to us, follow me. He's saying, I know the best path for your life because I created you. You know, sometimes we think we know what's best. He, but he says, I know what's best for you. Follow this path. I have the plan that's best for your life. And I go ahead of you. And it, when he goes ahead of us, he experiences it before we ever do. He experienced all the suffering and the pain and the heartache when he died upon the cross for our sins. He took that full punishment that we don't have to take because he went before us and he took it upon himself. He says, I experienced it ahead of you. Follow me. But he doesn't get behind us. He doesn't shove us. He doesn't push us into his plan. He leaves that to us. And so we, we get to choose whether or not we listen to his voice and respond. Now, some of the times when we have complaints about why things are happening the way they are in our life is because we didn't stop to listen. Sometimes we wonder, Lord, why are all these things happening that are creating so much worry in my heart and my mind? Sometimes it's because of our own doing, that we didn't listen to the voice of God who was trying to direct us in a certain way that would have helped us to avoid some of those things and the consequences of those things that we experienced. And so he goes on to say in those verses there, Satan, on the other hand, is not a shepherd. He's not even a He's not a good shepherd. He's not even a shepherd. In fact, he says he's a thief. He's just the opposite of the shepherd. His voice is the voice of a bully. His voice is the voice of intimidation and manipulation and threats. And he's always saying things like, you need to do this right now because if you don't, you're going to miss out and you're going to blow it. He wants you to, to jump ahead and to, and to do, take matters into your own hands. He wants you to be compulsive and not to pray about things, not to think about things. Just do it. And so often that's where we create more worry because we take matters into our own hands about whatever problem we're facing in life and we make a mess of things worse than it ever was to start with. And he just says, just do it. He's always shoving us, trying to push us off the right path and, and onto the path of destruction. And so that's why we must listen to that still, small voice of God. The good shepherd's voice is not only persistent, it's also personal because notice again there in verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, he doesn't say, number one, you come over here. Number two, you come over here. Number three, you come over here. No, he says, Bob, come follow me. Ken, come follow me. Becky, come follow me. He calls his sheep by name. And so it's personal. I love this because the creator of this universe, the creator of this universe knows your name. The creator of this infinite universe who, who created the stars and put the stars in space knows you personally. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. And that's why we read down a little bit further in verse 14. 
and verse 15, he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I'd encourage you to underline that phrase, I know my sheep. Because that would remind you, Jesus knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows what your highest hopes are. He knows what your deepest hurts are. Uh, he counts every tear that falls from your eyes. He knows you. And maybe the one thing he wanted to get across to you today is that he knows what you're going through when you think nobody else does. He knows the pain. He knows that hurt. He knows that problems. He knows your cares. God knows what's going on in your life. I don't know, but God does. And he speaks through his word directly, personally to you. And, and he has a personal, persistent message that he's sharing with you right now. And it's how much you matter to him. How much he cares. He cares for you. It says in that last verse that we just read there in verse 15, it says he lays down his life for the sheep. I mean, how much greater love could he show to us than demonstrating that right there? That he's willing to lay down his life for his sheep. He knows everything about you. He cares about every detail of your life. And he has the power to do something about the problems in your life. Notice his voice is not only persistent and it's not only personal, it's also powerful. Go back to verse 4 through verse 6 again. The shepherd's voice here we see, it tells us in verse 4 through verse 6, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. A stranger, it says, they will not follow. They'll flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. So a shepherd, they could be two shepherds dressed identical. The thing that distinguishes either one from the other is the voice. He says, a stranger, they won't follow. Then verse 6, the figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That word truth is very important there. The good shepherd's voice is powerful because it's the voice of, of truth. You know, there are a lot of voices in this world, a lot of voices that are louder, uh, but they're not more powerful because they're the voice of lies. God's voice is all powerful, but he doesn't yell and he doesn't scream. It's powerful because it's the voice of truth. On the other hand, Satan's voice is the voice of lies. John tells us in his gospel, in John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, so Satan is constantly accusing us. Satan is constantly lying to us. He lies to you in your mind he, and, and, and you think uh, it's, it's just from you or maybe your own thoughts. He's constantly saying things like, you're worthless. You're no good. 
you'll never amount to anything. God can never use you. You just keep blowing it. You're not beautiful. You're not valuable. You're not treasured. You, you just can't do anything right. You know what? You're just worthless. That's all lies from the devil. And he's constantly yelling and he's constantly screaming those things in your mind. And what we have to do is to learn to tune out that and to tune in the voice of truth. The more you are in God's word, listening to God, speaking to you through his word, and the more time you are in prayer, the less and less those voices from the world and the lies of the devil begin to infiltrate your heart and infiltrate your mind. If you're a part of the sheepfold, if you're a part of the, as a follower of Christ, God says to you, you are my child. You are valuable. You are treasured. You are loved. I think you're worth dying for, and you can never, you can never have a problem that's so great that derails my purpose for your life. He says to us, you can never make a mistake so great that it derails my purpose for your life. My forgiveness and my grace is yours. You're my child. And that's the truth. If you know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, that's the truth. And, and, and we're, e we're going to either live a lie or we're going to live the truth based on who we listen to. There's not only the shepherd's voice, though, that helps us to overcome those worries. There's the shepherd's presence. Because notice what verse 7 down through verse 10 goes on to say. Uh, we'll re refresh our minds here again in verse 7 uh, and verse 9. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. And so the good shepherd, uh, he's the good shepherd because of his presence, and his presence brings safety to us. Once again, as, as Jesus was teaching to the people here, we saw that, that the people missed the point. The people didn't understand what he was talking about. So he begins to explain to them more, and he shows them that, that his, through his presence, he pardons, he forgives. G. Campbell Morgan was a British evangelist and pastor from the early 1900s, and he tells a story that was told to him uh, by a friend, uh, Sir George Smith. As Smith traveled in the Far East, uh, he encountered a shepherd and eventually uh, saw where he was going to bed down the sheep for the night. Uh, he went on to tell this story and said he noticed that the sheepfold had four high walls and one opening. And Smith asked the shepherd, he said, where's the gate? And the shepherd replied, he said, I'm the door. Now, that shepherd wasn't speaking theologically. He was speaking practically. He was thinking, speaking professionally. And so Smith asked, what do you mean? What do you mean you're the door? And the shepherd said this to him. He said, when all the sheep are inside, I lay down over that open space and no sheep ever goes out unless it comes across my body. And no wolf ever comes in unless it crosses my body. When I say I'm the door, I mean I am the door. Now, the crowd, they didn't understand those first five verses that, that Jesus spoke there. But Jesus says, okay, how about this? 
I bring in the sheep and I keep the sheep safe and secure. You want to talk about safety? Nothing can come against the sheep unless it walks over Jesus' dead body. There's nothing getting to the sheep unless he's dead. And none of the sheep are, that are inside will ever get outside unless they walk over Jesus' dead body. That's pretty safe when you realize that our door, our gatekeeper is described in the Bible as the one who was dead and now is alive forevermore. He's the only one who could pardon us for our sin debt. And because of his pardon, you don't have to worry anymore about the greatest worry that you could ever worry about of your salvation if you would just trust in him. When you do, you are safe, you are secure in him, and nothing can get to you unless it comes through him and nothing, can get, uh, nothing is getting through him. Secondly, we see that he provides. Notice the second part of verse 5, or verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So those who enter by the door of Jesus can say, as David did, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because he provides sustenance. My shepherd makes me lie down. He provides solace. My shepherd leads me beside the, the still waters. Uh, he provides sanctification. Uh, my shepherd leads in the paths of righteousness. He provides security. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what, is the, what does the psalmist say? I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me, your presence. And so he provides safety. He prepares a table before us in his presence. He provides salvation, goodness, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he provides. Then we also see he protects. You see that in verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When Matthew chapter 9, Jesus describes lost people as sheep without a shepherd. But here's what you need to realize as a Christian is that, it, that if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not lost anymore. You're not without a shepherd. You have a shepherd. Even when we wander away from the fold and we venture away from the flock, our good shepherd is not just a good shepherd, he's a great shepherd. As a matter of fact, Simon Peter calls him the chief shepherd and guardian of my soul. And my chief shepherd, uh, Jesus even says, will leave the 99 and come and find me on the rocks of rebellion. Uh, he'll seek me out on the cliffs of sin. And if he needs to, He'll run me down wherever it is I'm at and, and say, what in the world are you doing here? What are you doing? And he will pick me up and he will put me on his strong back and bring me back to where I belong. I, once, I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray, threw his loving arms around me, drew me back into his way. Finally, I want you to see this, the shepherd's power in the remaining verses. Notice here in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand. 
and cares nothing for the sheep. So we see that the good shepherd lays down. He has the power to lay down his life and the power to take it up again. His was a victorious death. The good shepherd is, is preaching to his sheep here about a day that's coming when he's going to lay down his life for them. While most shepherds in that day led the flock with a rod and staff, Jesus is going to lead with the cross. And so notice the contrast in those three verses that we read, 11, 12, and 13. Nobody else will ever love you and care for you like Jesus. James Boyce, Montgomery Boyce uh, said this. He said, we must never think in contemplating the death of Christ that his death was somehow an accident or even worse, a tragedy. It was the great turning point in history planned before the foundation of the world. So remember this, that the thieves and the hired hands in this text are really the false religious leaders who teach a work salvation. In the end, when the trouble comes, when judgment comes, they won't be there to help. Notice the cross that he pictures in verse 14 down through verse 17. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. And so five times in these few verses, Jesus prophesies about the cross. He mentions laying down his life. Verse 11, verse 15, verse 17, and then two times it will see in verse 18. So how does Jesus demonstrate his love for the sheep? The way he demonstrates his love is that he sees the enemy of death coming and he steps in our place. He sees the wrath of God being poured out against sin and he sees the just condemnation of heaven sending us to hell and he, he willingly, voluntarily, out of his own sovereign choosing, climbs up on that Roman cross, stretches out his arms, lays down his life, gives up the spirit and dies in my place, in my stead, for my sin. Jesus is the good shepherd dying for the sheep to redeem them. That's the power of the cross, the Son of God slain for us. But then notice the conquest in these remaining verses. A loving shepherd might lay down his life defending the flock, but if that were to happen, It'd be the worst thing that could possibly happen to the sheepfold. Look at verse 17 again. He said, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, there, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so notice what went on in these verses here. This loving shepherd uh, would lay down his life to defend the flock. Why? Because in verse 12, Jesus describes a wolf that kills one sheep and scatters the rest, presumably so the wolf could pick them off one at a time. But in the case of Jesus, it was the best thing that could ever happen. Because even though there seems to be confusion amongst the Jews in verse 19 through verse 21, as the sheep of God... We don't have to wring our hands and worry and, and fret and wonder how it ended. Our good shepherd did in fact lay down his life for his sheep. 
because he didn't stay dead. As the good shepherd, he lays down his life for his sheep. As the great shepherd, he leads and feeds and restores his sheep. And let me show you this last thing. First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. Peter goes on to say, we've referenced this a while ago. He said, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory that will never fade away. Understand this, his redemption makes him the good shepherd. His resurrection makes him the great shepherd. But it's his return that makes him the chief shepherd. Or in other words, Jesus is the good shepherd who died for the sheep. He's the great shepherd who lives for the sheep. And he's the chief shepherd who returns for the sheep. The Psalms are a great place of encouragement where we can hear the voice of God in the face of our worries. So I'd encourage you, read Psalm 22. Because it speaks of Jesus, the good shepherd who died for the sheep. Psalm 23, read that one also, even if you have it memorized. So that psalm talks about Jesus, the great shepherd who lives for the sheep. And then read Psalm 24, because it speaks of the chief shepherd who comes for the sheep. Verse 7 of chapter 24 in Psalm says, Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O, o gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? It is the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Here's the point. Jesus is the chief shepherd because he is one day going to return. And when he returns, he will reward those who are faithful. What a shepherd. What a savior. One man said there are two days in the week that we have never have to worry about. Two carefree days that kept free from fear, that we can keep free from fear and apprehension. One of those days is yesterday the other is tomorrow and that just leaves today and Jesus said in Matthew 6 25 therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life in chapter 6 and verse 34 in that same sermon he said therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble what sheep need to eliminate the worry is the good shepherd and Jesus is the good shepherd. What makes him the good shepherd is his redemption. What sheep need to eliminate worry is that great shepherd because Jesus makes, what makes Jesus the great shepherd is his resurrection. What makes Jesus the chief shepherd is his return. And that is the comfort that we can have. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you can be free of worry for eternity if you trust in him. You place everything in his hands. Does that mean you're not going to have those times of worry? No. But it means when you do, you can take and put them all in his hands. You can bring all your cares to him, and he will take all of those things upon himself if you would trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage this morning, helping us to understand that Jesus is the good shepherd he is also a great shepherd but he is the chief shepherd because one day he is coming again and lord i pray that we will be ready when that day comes 
I pray that, first of all, there will be those who are here who are maybe listening, who have not trusted by faith in Christ yet, that they would become a part of his family, a child of God, part of the sheepfold, knowing Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And so, Father, I pray that they would call out to you this morning and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he was buried in the tomb. And I believe he arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray that those who maybe have professed that in their hearts this morning would come to publicly profess that before others. Father, I pray that you'll give them an encouragement to come in this invitation. Lord, there are others of us who are here as believers, and the reason we are so filled sometimes with worry is because we've lost our focus on the great shepherd. We've lost our focus on the good shepherd. We've lost our focus on the chief shepherd. Help us to be encouraged, Lord, by your word. Let us hear your voice, and may you bring that peace that passes all understanding into our hearts and into our lives as we draw close to you. Bless us this morning, Lord, as we renew our commitment to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 288, Where He Leads Me, will you come as the Lord lays on your heart this morning? As you stand. Can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take my cross, follow, follow me. Where he Good morning. We're glad everybody could join us. And if you're visiting with us today, it's a pleasure to have you, and we do welcome you back. And uh, before I get into the rest of the announcements, uh, is Matt? Yeah, Matt has a couple of things he'd like to say. Good morning, church. Uh, so the we have a unique opportunity uh, that was presented to me this past week, where we would be able to help out West Middle School. And they have a garden in the back of the school that needs some uh, little TLC. And so if you have an opportunity this afternoon, I know it's kind of a last notice thing, but if you have an opportunity this afternoon around 3.30 or, or between 3.30 and 4, if you could get there to help us with this garden. And so uh, it is pretty uh, grown up and there's, we need some weed eaters. We need some hands to pull some things. Um, and so, but I think if we got a good number of folks, we could we could knock it out pretty quick. And as I said, it's an opportunity for us to you know be a, be a blessing to West Middle School as they want to use that garden to help and and do things for the students in the community as well. So uh, 
if you have an opportunity this afternoon to be there, even if it's for, hey, I can only help out for 30 minutes, you know, that's fine. You know, it still helps out. But um, we have a truck and trailer that we're going to use to kind of haul some things off. And uh, and there's just moving some things out. And, and, you know, all we're doing is just cleaning it up. We're not adding any dirt or anything. And so we're just going to be cleaning it up and making it look a little bit better than what it is. And so... If you can be there, let me know. That way we can have, I'll have some waters and stuff available. I'm planning to get some gloves. But uh, it's a great opportunity for us to be a blessing to one of our local schools. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate uh, your work and all them efforts. Uh, just a few quick announcements before we close. Um, this coming Wednesday night, just remind you, no Awanas and no uh, uh, nursery care. We will have prayer meeting, and Pastor Jim will be bringing us our <clears throat> Wednesday night message. Uh, October the 11th, we have prime timers, and October 15th, we have a men's breakfast. And I, I wanted to mention both of those because of sign-up sheets uh, helps us prepare the food and plan for it. And particularly on the 15th, I just want to mention the men's breakfast that Coach John Olive will uh, be our guest speaker that morning. And I, I think it'll be a blessing to everybody's heart. Uh, 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 have some good food and fellowship and just encourage you to sign up and come to that. Uh, other than that, I think most of the announcements uh, you can find in your bulletins, uh, if you'll please read those. And uh, we do want to particularly remember all those in Florida and the Carolinas and everyone that was in the path that has been affected by the Hurricane Ian. Uh, we know a lot of lives were lost and a lot of people lost uh, almost everything. You know, there's a lot of other people that's gone to uh, help out, to be of assistance, and we just want to pray for them. So, unless there's any other uh, announcements. If you're Kim, we're glad to have you with us. And all visitors, we're glad to have you with us this morning. If there's nothing else, let us close in prayer. Our gracious Father, we just are grateful for you and your love. We're just so thankful. Lord, that you are the great shepherd for us, that you'll guide us and direct us and, and take care of us in all of our needs. And Lord, at this time, our hearts are heavy for those affected by the hurricane. Just be with all those individuals that have lost loved ones, others who have, have lost all possessions. Uh, many people have suffered, Lord. We just, we just ask that you would uh, be with each of these individuals and, and just help them to to, to find their way back. We also, Lord, ask that you be with all the, the, the caregivers and, and those helping uh, with the hurricane relief and Red Cross and just all these different agencies, Lord. And just all of our providers, Father, nurses and, and uh, doctors and just, just everyone who helps us uh, each and every day. We ask, Lord, that you continue to be with our country and bless it and Father, be with our politicians, that they will guide us uh, in the direction that we need. Lord, just continue to be with our military and all the uh, police and, and, and firefighters and just all those who provide us protection. Lord, we're just thankful for what you give us here at our church. We're so thankful for each and every one. And Lord, we just ask as we go that you would forgive us of our sins. These things we ask, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.